Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's word that is the basis for our meditation this morning is our gospel reading from John chapter 2. Here again, the first five verses of that text. Please rise as we hear these words. Three days later, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with you and me? My time has not come yet. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Thus far the text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. One of the things that a couple planning to get married has to wrestle with is the guest list. Whom are they going to invite to the wedding? Now, it's become a little more complicated in some ways, at least the past couple years, depending on local laws and ordinances, especially when it comes to the reception But all of those COVID-type rules aside, who is it that they're going to invite to the wedding? How many people? Do they invite all of their relatives or do they extend only a certain distance? Are you going to upset someone if your second cousin once removed doesn't get invited? What's the ultimate cap on the number of people that can get invited to the wedding? Or perhaps the couple is thinking along the lines of trying to invite the most important people to the wedding. Maybe they really want to make an impression on people. If if someone important shows up at the wedding, a, a celebrity or, or a dignitary, that might be quite the coup for your social standing. Now, we don't know how or why Jesus was invited to this wedding in Cana. Did he know the bride and the groom? Was he somehow related? We don't know. And it really doesn't matter. The important fact is that Jesus was there. And Jesus definitely proves to be the ultimate wedding guest. This particular wedding to which Jesus and his disciples were invited happened to be shortly after, three days to be precise, after Jesus had started gathering these disciples People were just beginning to see who Jesus really was. John the baptizer was telling people that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Some of John's disciples started following Jesus. Some people, that is, began to see Jesus not just as another teacher, not just as another prophet, but as the prophet the promised Savior, the promised Messiah. And this Messiah, the Savior of the Jews and the Savior of the entire world, was at this wedding. What a blessing. Yes, it was a blessing definitely to to the wedding couple and then even to the guests who were there. But it was also a blessing for marriage and families in general. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus didn't have to come to this wedding. He could have said, no, thank you. I've got other work I have to do. I have to be preaching and teaching and healing people and raising people from the dead all before I go to the cross. 
But no, he came to this wedding. He showed that the institution of marriage was that important. And that's quite a different message from the message we are bombarded with every day, isn't it? Not just that marriage is not taken seriously by many, but it's even talked down by many, redefined by many. All 50 states, gay marriage is now allowed. You can get a divorce for pretty much any reason you want. About 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Almost 70% of people think that couples living together outside of marriage is okay, even if the couple isn't planning to get married. And what's our view of marriage? Do we share some of these views of marriage that, that really don't take it that seriously, that are actually sinful? Do we share some of the ideas, perhaps to the extent of contemplating how it is we're going to get out of a marriage for non-biblical reasons? Do we fantasize about someone who is not our spouse, whether we're married or not married? How many ways is it that we break the sixth commandment? You shall not commit adultery. Jesus takes marriage seriously. In fact, he takes it so seriously that one of the reasons he died on the cross was to pay the penalty for all of the times that we don't take marriage seriously. That is true love. That is true dedication. He wants us to take marriage seriously also. So yes, Jesus proved to be the ultimate wedding guest by being there at this wedding. His presence reinforces what the Bible, what God thinks about marriage. One man, one woman, dedicated to each other for life, dedicated to their spouse for life, promising to love and honor and cherish each other. And there's definitely more that could be said about marriage, but we'll stop there for now. And of course, Jesus is the ultimate wedding guest in a more spectacular fashion because he performed a pretty awesome miracle showing his glory, his glory as the Son of God, as the Savior. Here's the setup for this miraculous sign, as John calls it. Weddings in those days were pretty long affairs when it came to the wedding party, the banquet. Sometimes they would last up to seven days. And the host would be providing food and drink for the people. It was just expected that you would do that for that entire time. And at this particular wedding, there was a problem. The wine. They were starting to run out of wine. Major faux pas on the part of the bridegroom, the host, and his family. The shame and embarrassment for running out of wine would actually last for years in the community. So, Mary, Jesus' mother, steps in. And we don't know exactly what role she was playing. It looks like she was at least helping with the wedding. Maybe she was coordinating a few things. But she wants to help. She knows that this is a problem. And notice what she does. She doesn't go to the bridegroom. She doesn't go to the master of the banquet. She doesn't send out for more wine. She goes to the one person that she knows can help. She goes to her son. They have no wine, she said. She wasn't telling Jesus this just as a 
passing comment or passing along some gossip. No, she was telling Jesus because she knew that he could do something about it. Now, the first part of Jesus' response to his mother is a little bit hard to understand. It's actually a little bit hard to translate. It's an idiomatic saying, a question, actually, the way Jesus asks it. And his question, what does this have to do with you and me? Really, that is a way of saying, I got this. I'll take care of it. This is my concern. And then the second part of his response, my time has not come yet, really is an assurance that when the time is right, when he thought the time was right, then he would do something about this problem. He would take care of it. And note Mary's response. She didn't get put off by what Jesus said. She simply tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary got it. She understood what Jesus had told her. She trusted that Jesus could take care of the situation. And really, take care of the situation is pretty good understatement. Jesus tells the servants to fill up the water jugs that were there and then take some to the master of the banquet and you've got 120 to 180 gallons of the best wine ever. So you see how this revealed his glory, as John says in verse 11. Performing miracles was one of the things that the promised Messiah was supposed to do. In Isaiah 35, we're told that when the Messiah would come, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame, then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Other prophecies of the Old Testament reinforce this idea that the Messiah, the promised Savior, would definitely perform miracles. Now, there's no Old Testament prophecy specifically saying that the Messiah was going to come and change water into wine. That doesn't matter. The point is that the one way or one way that people would know that a person was truly the Messiah was based on all of the miracles that that person would perform. All kinds of miracles, lots of miracles. And so when John says that this miracle, Jesus changing water into wine, revealed his glory. He was making the point that Jesus was indeed the promised Savior, the promised Messiah. And this very Savior, this very Messiah, was a guest at a wedding, making his presence known through a marvelous miracle, a sign that showed who he was. And that's part of what made Jesus the ultimate wedding guest. Now, it's one thing for Jesus to perform a miracle to show in this way his glory. But Jesus was also the ultimate wedding guest because he creates faith in his believers. Now, John concludes this account of the wedding miracle with this, with these words, and his disciples believed in him. Now, didn't they already believe in him? Wasn't that part of what made them his disciples? That they believed in him? Yes, it's true. They did. The disciples that were present with Jesus at this wedding already believed in him. In the verses prior to this account in John chapter 1, we see how these certain men began following Jesus. Andrew and John, the writer of the gospel, 
were disciples of John the Baptizer. And when John the Baptizer pointed out to them Jesus was the Messiah, well, they started following him. Andrew told his brother Simon Peter about this, and Simon Peter started following Jesus. John probably told his brother James the same thing, and so James became a follower. And then the next day, Philip and Nathaniel began following Jesus. Nathaniel's the interesting one of this bunch. You remember what happened that Philip told Nathaniel, We have found the Messiah and that he's from Nazareth. Nathaniel didn't have too high a view of Nazareth. He said, Can anything good come from Nazareth? But then Jesus tells Nathaniel that he saw him under the fig tree. And Nathaniel responded by saying, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So yes, these these six men believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised Savior, the Son of God. So why is it that that John says at the end of this passage, his disciples believed in him after he gives this account of this miracle that Jesus performed. Well, he's not saying that they didn't believe in him before he performed the miracle. They did. But this miracle was additional proof of who Jesus was, that he was the only one that they had been waiting for, that he was the Messiah. And so they believed in the sense that their faith was strengthened. Their faith grew because of this miracle. That's actually the point of any of Jesus' miracles, you see, to create faith in people's hearts. That's because the main reason that Jesus performed miracles was to demonstrate that he was truly the Savior, that he was the Messiah. Yes, Jesus performed many miracles because of his mercy, because of his compassion, healing the sick, raising the dead, providing food and drink when needed. But ultimately, his miracles displayed his glory. They show that he was truly God come in the flesh. Did it take a miracle to convince you to believe? Well, probably not in the same way. Many of you were were probably baptized when you were babies. You hadn't had the chance to, to read about or hear about any of Jesus' miracles at that point and how they showed his glory. But God, God the Holy Spirit, worked a miracle in you. In those waters connected with his word, He washed you clean. He gave you a new heart, a living heart, instead of the dead one that you were born with. He created faith in you, trust in you, so that, yes, instead of being dead, you are alive. But since you've been a believer, during your life as a believer, what happens when you read or or hear about one of Jesus' miracles now? Hopefully we don't just breeze right past them because they're so familiar. I mean, how many times have you heard this miracle of of Jesus changing the water into wine? It's a popular Sunday school lesson. It's one of the readings that we may hear every year as we read the Gospels. We're relatively familiar with, with the basic outline of this account. Has it become sort of passe for you? And what about all the other miracles that Jesus performed? Do we sort of just pass by them, let them kind of just go right past us because 
We know that that's what Jesus does, that he performs miracles. If only we could put ourselves in the place of the disciples as they witnessed this first miracle that Jesus performed. If only we could witness this miracle for the first time. Now, obviously, we can't do that, at least not perfectly. But here's what we can do. Every time that we read or hear about one of Jesus' miracles, remember why Jesus is doing that miracle. To show who he is. To show that he is the one who came to be your Savior. Who came to live and die and rise for you. The one who forgives all of your sins, including taking Jesus and all of his miracles for granted. And Jesus performed all of these miracles to show his love and compassion for people, including you. Now, perhaps you've never been on the receiving end of one of Jesus' miracles. That is, chances are Jesus hasn't appeared to you and and healed you from some dread disease or caused you to walk on water or multiplied the food in your pantry so that it never ran out. Maybe not. But he has used ways that you're familiar with. Hasn't he used modern medical technology and gifted medical personnel to heal you? Hasn't he given you the faith and the strength to to make it through difficult situations time and time again, to plow through the, the problems of your marriage, to remain dedicated to your spouse? Hasn't he provided for you in ways that at the time you just couldn't make sense of? You didn't understand how it happened? That's what you need to think of when you, when you read or hear about Jesus' miracles. They make very clear that Jesus is your Savior, your loving Savior, who was promised long ago to come and who has now come and made you his child through faith. And this loving Savior of yours is the ultimate wedding guest. By his presence at this wedding in Cana, he showed how seriously he takes marriage. When he performed this miracle, he showed his glory. He showed that he truly is God. And that miracle had quite the effect, strengthening the faith of the disciples in their trust, strengthening their trust in Jesus as their Savior. May this miracle have the same effect on you. Believe in Jesus, the ultimate wedding guest. Amen.